This week on the podcast, we're having a conversation about publishing. Have you ever wondered what goes on behind the scenes of some of your favorite business books or leadership books that you see on the shelf in a bookstore? Perhaps you've even considered sharing some of your own thoughts with the world by writing a book. Either way, I think you're going to love this conversation. Hi everyone and welcome to Phone Calls with Clever People. My name's Shane Hatton. I'm a speaker, author and mentor from Melbourne, Australia and I'm passionate about all things leadership and communication. I realized recently that I know some really clever people in my network and I thought it would be a fun idea to be able to take some of their cleverness and share it with the rest of the world. Now through the wonders of technology, I'm broadcasting my phone calls with clever people just for you. And really the premise is quite simple. I just want to be able to ask great questions of talented people to help us all become more effective leaders. Joining me on the phone is Leslie Williams, who is the founder and managing director of Major Street Publishing. They're a Melbourne-based publisher responsible for bringing some of Australia's best business, leadership, finance, investment, and motivational books to market, including my own book, Lead the Room, Communicate a Message that Counts in Moments that Matter. Leslie, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. It's so nice to be able to bring in a voice to someone who is consistently putting out the voice of authors into the world. It's nice to hear your voice in the podcast, so welcome. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me on the program. We were having this conversation a couple of weeks ago and I was sitting there and I was, I think you, you had reached out to me because you were doing another order of some of the books and you were like, you're looking for books. And I was right in the middle of planning the podcast and, and bringing on guests. And I was like, how has this not clicked before to bring you into the conversation around uh, the Phone Calls with Clever People podcast? And so I want to kick off with a few fast facts, which we always do. Uh, number one, where were you born? Number two, what was your first job? And number three, what do you do now? I was born in Birmingham in the UK. Uh, my first job, my first paid job was babysitting, I suppose. Right. <laughs> I had a short, short-lived career as a barmaid through uni. <laughs> uh, Travelling around, I did, uh, you know, casual jobs. But my first proper job was an, I was trained as an editor for an engineering company. I, I'm interested to know, everyone always has the same response. They say, my first paid job was this. Um, was there a job yep. that preceded the pay, the payment that came for it? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Just doing your chores at home, I guess. No, not really. No. <laughs> pocket money, pocket, pocket money, <laughs> yeah. jump, which doesn't really count. Um, and, yeah. and and so tell us a little bit about what you do now. So the short answer is I make books. So people don't often don't understand what a publisher does. They sometimes say, oh, what, you're sort of if you printer or you, they don't understand that. <laughs> so it, it's basically a project management role, I think. So you bring together the voice, which is the author's voice in his manuscript. You polish that as much as you can. Um, then you do the editing, the typesetting, the cover. So you make it beautiful. You arrange the printing. Um, and I often say to authors, that's the easy bit because then we have to sell a book. So yeah. we do sales, marketing, publicity, getting the book out there. So yeah. And, and my, my whole experience working with you on Lead the Room is just such a phenomenal process. And, and I, I will talk maybe a bit about that a little bit later on in some of the, the more details and the mechanics of, of publishing. You said like one of the things that you love is you just love books. Is this something you've always loved? Is it something you got into later in life? Like what, how did you kind of, how did the journey lead you to where you are now? 
Yeah, it's it's only quite recently that I've realised how important they have been throughout my life. So my father was a, has always been in publishing. And so from a very young age, he was out repping. So he'd always bring books home. So wow. I can remember always, and he worked for a children's publisher and schools publisher. So I remember that. And then I remember writing like little books when I was little and making books at school. And then and we always read on holiday as a family. We'd have like two hours afternoon reading time. And then uni was reading. I did a literature degree and a language degree. And, um, yeah, they've just always been part of my life, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So it's literally been kind of woven through your life story. And so yeah. how did you then go down this route of, of publishing and then obviously starting Major Street? How did that kind of come to be? Well, I trained as an editor um, and then at the time, and then I went on a working holiday and my dad had just started his own publishing company over in Australia. So, and he was freelancing his editing. So he said, you can come and edit my books. I won't freelance them. So we, we, I started with him and I thought, oh, you know, I don't know how I'm going to go working for my dad. Um, <laughs> and that's not going to work, is it? But we worked together for 11 years and we basically grew that business from, you know, two people in his bungalow in his back garden to um, a business that we sold to John Wiley, the global publishing company. Wow. Yeah, so it was pretty exciting. And um, I often say my dad sold me with the company because I had to, <laughs> he, he moved out and I had a three-year non-compete. So I had to go and work for Wiley for three years. But it, it was just an amazing opportunity and I absolutely loved it. Um, they were just amazing to work with. I got lots of global insights, lots of global travel, uh, so learned what the Americans were doing, the UK people were doing. So absolutely loved that. So I was general manager when I finished there after seven years. And I just basically wanted to change, really. It had always been business book publishing up until then. So I applied for a job for a children's book company, and it was a CEO role. Wow. And I, did, I, I honestly didn't think I had much chance of getting it. And um, I did get it. <laughs> it was quite <laughs> after a few interviews, I did get it. So that was a different whole different set of experiences which were really interesting a lot of mass market publishing a lot of uh, global co-editions whole new team so that was really interesting um it didn't last that long i was a casualty of the gfc i guess so mm. when that i got made redundant like many many people many of my authors actually got made redundant and go out as consultants and that starts their author career so wow. um, i'm not alone there um, yeah, so I kind of had a choice. I was at a crossroads. Do I look for a high-level job in publishing um, or do I start out on my own? And my daughter was doing VCE. I was a bit shell-shocked. And I thought, oh, we've done it before. I'll do it again. I'll start my own business. So that was 11 years ago. That was Major Street. It's incredible. And you have some phenomenal books across business, investment, property, and finance, yeah. um, and and some incredible authors that you've been able to gather and share their stories. One of the things I asked you earlier on was like, what what excites you? And, and no surprise, your answer was like, books. What is it about books that lights you up? Because you're, you're people can't see you, but I, I can see you and your kind of face lights up when you say that. Like, what gets you excited about books? Well, it's interesting. I was in a meeting recently and the CEO of the Australian Publishers Association was quoting some industry stats. Um, and he said that Australians are a nation of storytellers. Mm. And that kind of resonated with me. I hadn't thought about it before, but we really are, you know, we, I'm Australian now. Um, 
<laughs> and I think that's what I like about books because even a non-fiction author um, has a everybody has a story to tell. Fiction, obviously, they more creative, but with non-fiction leadership books, the author's story is their point of difference, and if they can um, communicate that effectively in their book, uh, I think they're going to resonate with the readers. Mm. And this is kind of the value that books bring into the world, right? Is this unique perspective um, on any of these topics. And again, like you're very specific in the kind of books that you put out, but just books in general, like what's the value that they bring to the world? They give you an insight into somebody else's life and and they show you the world through a different set of eyes. So there's a whole new a range of experiences that you wouldn't otherwise be able to enter into or to understand. So, but it, it gives you understanding, doesn't it? Reading, mm. you get a different perspective and um, yeah, broader understanding. There's something about the ability for when a person can write something that can articulate and give word or expression to something that you've found really hard to, to articulate, right? It's like someone has, has written the words and you go, that's exactly what I, w- I wanted to say, but I couldn't say it. And, you know, I've got a friend of mine, she, she's definitely a, a remarkable writer. And she goes, I always feel so embarrassed putting it out into the world. And I go, but you realize by doing that, you do what most people can't do, which is to give thought and give expression to some of the language that people are just thinking about and, 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 and reflecting on. And so when you withhold that, you, you're really doing a disservice to the world by not giving them that expression that they really need. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why you sort of, you're often reading a book with a pen in your hand, you know, you have mm-hmm. those, you know, some sentences or parts of a book, you go, oh God, yeah, I know exactly what you mean, but I couldn't have put it like that. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. So how are you, when you pick up a book to read now, do you read, do you get the privilege of being able to read for pleasure or is it just constantly in the back of your mind thinking through the logistics of reading? No, no, no. I do read for pleasure. So my novels, I guess, are my pleasure. Yeah. Um, but I get, I get very impatient with novels if I don't think they're original, you know, I'm quite selective. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but business books, uh, you know, I run my own business, have done for so many years now. So I love reading business books because you always learn something amazing. Mm. Yeah. And you get to learn these concepts before they get to go to the rest of the world, which is which is like would be the privilege yeah. of a publisher, right? Yep. 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 <laughs> and so I think some people might be listening to this. And I reckon there's two groups of people that would be listening to the podcast right now. And there's some that are, they're running their own business. They're maybe consultants, thought leaders, experts, and they're going, oh, I've got a book in me. I want to, I want to share a book with the world. There's other people who are going, I probably will never write a book uh, because it seems like this kind of superhuman thing to do that just the elite get to do. Um, but maybe they've kind of got a desire to want to do that. Um, and then maybe there's the people who probably in the background go, I'm never going to write one, but it's just really fascinating to listen to. Let's talk about the people who look at the authors out there and go, they're just some superhuman anomaly that could never be me. Like, what would you say to some of those people? Everybody has the potential to write a book. Absolutely. Um, I think you'd be, have to be realistic about your expectations. Mm. So especially if you're writing fiction or you're writing poetry, you know, the chances that you're going to write a book that's actually even going to get published are very, very slim because uh, the publishing industry is very global and, you know, the publishers in Australia selecting books, they're competing with publishers all around the world selecting from a pool of global writers. Um, But 
our niche business books, it, absolutely anyone with a business story or a thought leader in this area can absolutely write a book. Now, it might not go on and sell tens and thousands of copies, but it would make an excellent business tool for you. Mm. Um, and it's a way of sort of organizing your thoughts, um, getting your IP in shape, and you're communicating with potential clients. Mm. So let's let's talk to some of those people who maybe are thinking, okay, I, I've, I've got this idea, I want to write a book. Where do you even start if you're thinking going down this route of publishing? So you have to break it. It's like anything. You have to break it down. Mm. So you, your ultimate goal is to get that book out. Um, you've got to work out when and you've got to work. It, it, it has to be a priority. It's not just something that you can do in your spare time, mm. especially if you're running your own business. So I know some people will take, um, you know, six weeks off to write it or even or will dedicate um, a day and a half a week or one of my particularly disciplined authors, um, she woke up at 4am every morning and wrote, you know, for two hours before work, before the family got up. So it does take that, you know, yeah. Um, But you'd also find that you have a lot of content already. So if you're out there communicating with people, you might be running workshops, you might be writing blogs and articles, you might have a podcast that you can transcribe. So the sort of the hack is to find the content as much content as you already have, and then shape that into the book that you want to write. Right. And there would be lots of people who maybe have a newsletter that they're in the discipline of writing regularly. They're people who are, you know, they're speaking quite regularly that you could like, they're, yeah. they're, they're communicating content all the time, but never have captured or, it or organized it in a way that has some sense of flow yeah. to it. So yeah, part of this is right. identifying what content you do have. And then the other part of it is getting the discipline into creating new content and more content. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you've got this idea. I've got this idea. I want to write a book. I'm looking at pulling my content together. What What do you feel like is the role of a publisher? Because there's one of the biggest questions I get asked all the time is like, should I self-publish my book or should I go down the route of publishing? It's the, it's the, the big question, probably the number one question mm-hmm. I get asked. Um, and I'm sure that you probably get asked that as well from people. Um, how do you typically navigate that question? Um, look, you can do very good, quali- high quality self-publishing at the moment, but what an, what a publisher will do will take that book to market for you. So if you self-publish, you're talking to your own clients, you're talking to converted. If you're getting it out into bookstores, then you're talking to people who don't, don't necessarily know you. So um, I always say that it's a joint effort between publisher and author. So we tap into your community and then we try and find a wider, we try and, you know, make that a bigger community through getting bookshop sales but it's very much a joint effort um a publisher i probably i think i'm a bit unusual in this way but i will always talk to an author even if they've just got an idea they're really not sure they think they want to write a book they're not sure should they self-publish shouldn't they well i I will always make time for that sort of author because nine times out of ten it pays off for me um so i can even start you shaping your thoughts about what book you're going to write now you were different you came to me with a complete manuscript and you had read it through very you know you'd really thought it through and you'd had an excellent editor working with you so that does happen sometimes I get a manuscript that is fully thought out finished both basically and we just added whatever value we could to that but some authors just come with the idea I want to write a book um, so I talk to them about their business strategy mm. um, and what book will be useful for them 
when the book comes out. So if you haven't yet written it, you're not going to have the book out for 12 months. So what will you be doing in 12 months time? Is this book going to support what you're doing? Is it going to be speaking to the sort of customers that you want to attract? So that's an interesting one, right? Because for for 12 months time, your business can be in a completely different space. And even though you might write the book in, let's say you took six weeks off to write the book, you could write it in six weeks. Mm. If you self-publish, you might want to go down the route. You can put it out in a couple of weeks time. But if you really want to kind of get that kind of global community or that further reach that you're talking about this is it's a it's a longer term process right yeah yeah i think but what we do we add value so we get books into bookstores i mean that in some ways that's the easy part but at major street we really try and look for every possible opportunity so we present all our books to blinkist and get abstract and some of our authors then they find a whole new global community of people who've read summaries of their books wow. uh, we talk to you know translation publishers to see if we can get some translation over there we're just at the moment working on a with a singapore um distribution so i mean i don't want this to sound like a plug for for major street although i'm happy if uh, people well, do, I'm, I'm biased here as well. I'm, I'm ha- more than happy for you to plug it as much as you like. I, my experience <laughs> was incredible. <laughs> Thank you. But what I'm saying is that it, there's much, there's much more that you can do if you have the support of a publisher rather than trying to find those opportunities. Um, if you're self-publishing, it's very time-consuming, mm. um, and it's all about like any business, it's all about connections. You know, you have to, you have to build those relationships with people who are going to help you support the book. Yeah, absolutely. And so someone could have an idea and they're coming to you and they're, they're talking about their idea. And I've, I've done this with you. I've talked about my, my next book and you've gone, look, I think here's the commercial lens that you might be missing in this. And you kind of give that feedback. Like, What are some of the things you're looking mm. for when someone's sharing an idea with you? Uh, well, will it sell for a start who, yep. and who will buy it? Um, our books are, are usually how to. So what problem is it going to solve for the reader? That's always a question I pose. Um, competitive analysis as well. Is there a lot out there already that you're going to be really fighting for, for space, you know, shelf space and media coverage? Yeah, so competitive analysis. Um, yeah, and who's going to read it? What's the problem it's going to solve? Yeah. So it's, it's not just enough to have a great idea. Like this is, I think one of the challenges for thought leaders ago, I've got, I'm so excited about this book. It's this, this, and this. And yet in 12 months time, there's five other books that are coming out that you're competing with. Um, It's, it's not solving a problem that the market are experiencing. And so the commercial value of it disappears. And so it might be a good idea, but it's not a commercial idea. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a bit of a, it's a bit of a fine line because sometimes someone will come to me and go, I've got a great idea for a book. There's not a book out there on this subject. Well, that could be because there isn't a market for that book out there, or it could be that you're first to market. So it's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's not a science. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of an art. And, you know, if you get it right more than you get it wrong, then um, yeah, then you're winning. Yeah. Well, speaking of getting it wrong, like what do you think are some of the big pitfalls that maybe authors fall into when they're starting out this journey to publish a book? Uh, they have unrealistic expectations of the market that Australia is. Australia and New Zealand is a small market. Mm. If you're selling a thousand plus copies, you're actually not doing too badly, especially if you're a first time author. Everybody thinks their book is going to be a bestseller and and we'd like to think it would be as well. (laughs) But Australia is a small market and especially in the leadership space, we still look to America for leadership all the best-selling books, the books that everybody is talking about most of the time are, are Australian, are, are American bestsellers, mm. New York Times bestseller. 
Yeah, that was a that was a very insightful kind of conversation that I think we've had in the past. Whereas, like, it doesn't really take as much in terms of sales to get to the top of like a bestseller list in Australia than maybe what no. you might imagine. Because you imagine hundreds of thousands of books, you see, you know, yeah. the, the US sales like a million copies sold. Whereas it's not like that in Australia. No, no. I think they actually say that for a nonfiction book, if you're selling four thousand copies now, that's that's pretty much getting you close to a bestseller. Wow. So you know, lots of books do a lot better than that, but lots of books do a lot worse. And the numbers of books that are published every year, I think, comes as a shock to people. You know, um, we're with Hachette; they must take a hundred books out to booksellers every month. Wow. <laughs> you know, there's just a huge. I haven't got the number at, uh, at my fingertips, but a huge number of books that are published every day. And this is one of the conversations that we had relatively early on on the other side of publishing my book, which was, I think in my mind, I had thought, well, you write the book and then once it's finished, it, it just gets taken to market and then, you, then your job's done. But it really, your job's just getting started as an yeah. author, <laughs> like the commercial side of like getting out and doing the publicity to support those salespeople that are distributing the books into bookstores is often one of the areas that's overlooked. Can you speak into a little bit about for maybe people who are aspiring authors, what is the publicity part and why is that so important in the whole book process? Publicity part um, is important because it gets people, raises the awareness of your book to people who who don't know you. Um, so media companies are always looking for content. And this is perhaps not explained to authors. So a lot of your job in the publicity phase is writing content that you will be asked for articles. Will you write, could you answer a Q&A? What are the top 10 things that we can talk about so that the uh, online editors or, you know, or print editors, they can just take that. You've, they, you've written copy for them, basically. Yeah. Journalism, the pool of journalists has shrunk, so they look for people to provide content. But that's good because you're getting your IP out there, your name out there. And it's often not actually the piece that has been published or the podcast or the tv interview that people remember but um if you're a business leader and you want people to know about your ip just the fact that you've been quoted in the financial review your book's been reviewed in boss magazine or you've been interviewed on on national television that that endorses you um as an expert in your field and being able to, to, to go, like say, like a distributor going into a bookstore to sell one of those hundred books, the person who's been featured in the Fin Review or the Boss Magazine or, yeah. you know, the accounting magazines, their book is going to float to the surface in that pile as more credible in terms of something they maybe want to buy more of, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the other part of the equation is that if our, if our authors have done a, a publicity campaign, we can tell the sales team who will tell the booksellers that, you know, because all books in Australia are sold into bookstores on a sale or return basis. So basically, if they don't sell, they just return them for a credit, no risk to the booksellers, little risk to the booksellers. Um, so the reason that, that to encourage them to buy your book and restock it and keep it on the shelves is because people are going in to ask for it. And the reason, the reason we get the confidence from the booksellers to reorder is because you're out there, people, you're going to be, your publicity is going to be driving people into the stores to ask for the book. Mm. And this, this is part of the, the equation that I, I, I realized I learned a lot more about in, in the, the journey of writing is that once you've written the book, you don't just lift excerpts from the book and use that for articles. It's very specific in terms of what the media yeah. are looking for. And so if you're going to write, you know, and you've, you've locked out your six weeks or your six months, however long it's, take, long it's taken you to write, you need to plan out another three to six months of writing again. Um, in terms of your press and your and your your work that goes around the book, and I think like it's a commitment, like it really is a commitment mm. for authors, right? 
it, it is a commitment. But on the other side of it, you know, there there are limited ways to market your business. You know, no one advertises anymore. It's too expensive. Mm. Um, we're all doing the social, madly doing the social media behind the scenes, hoping that that's going to give us some traction. So, it, you know, a book is a and a very powerful marketing tool. And, and with feedback we've had recently is not only have our authors' books got them new business but they have got them the right business and the the word that people have used with me is alignment Mm. they have it has encouraged clients to call them who have been very aligned with their business so they already think they know the author because they've read their book they know what the author does they're they're kind of half sold really yeah Um, so I know it's a lot of time and it's an expense but you know if you have three or four new clients from that that's uh, that's payback isn't it it really is. And that that was my experience, not not only just with the book, but also the press that came with the book. There's yeah. something that adds this different layer of credibility when someone else recognizes your work. So this has been reviewed yeah. in this magazine and this is what they said about it rather than, hey, this is the book I wrote. This is what I say yeah. <laughs> about it. Yeah. Um, the whole experience is, is really valuable for people. Um, yeah. Like what's the thing that you love most about being able to share an author's work with the world and taking it to market for people. The whole thing's exciting. So getting yeah. the book, getting the book printed after all the work, that is it always like, I was a bit nervous in case there's a mistake in it or something. But, <laughs> <laughs> but since I get the selfie of the author with the book, that's, that's great. We're just really happy that that happens. Um, and then, you know, you get it out there. So it's quite a kind of competitive. You sort of, you look at your sales as the book goes out there, you look at your sell through figures, then your publicity hits and you're just trying to maximize that to get more stock into the sales and then you're seeking opportunities i really like it when we get other opportunities for authors like if we get a speaking gig for them or they get invited onto a webinar or a podcast i think oh that's cool you know they wouldn't have got that without working with us they wouldn't have got that if they hadn't had the book so it's a very creative although they're business books so some people think they're a bit dry um uh, it's a very creative experience i think the whole publishing Mm. process I um I remember when my book got printed and you drove out and met me at my co-share space out in the eastern suburbs. Mm-hmm. And you had the very first copy and it's it's sitting here on my bookshelf behind me with a little double zero one uh, number written <laughs> in it and signed because it's the very first copy of my book. And that feeling of being able to put something that you poured blood, sweat and tears into to hold mm-hmm. it in your hand um, is an amazing experience. That's one thing I remember from it. But the second one, which terrified me was you sent me an email and said, oh, the library, this is now stocked in this library. Like it was, a, it went to library. And I went, oh my <laughs> gosh, my thoughts are being like put in a space that's going to be immortalized. And what happens if in five years, I don't think that anymore. And I had this kind of little moment of overwhelm, but again, like it's such an incredible opportunity. So if we were to kind of, uh, again, like bringing this to a practical level for authors or people who are aspiring authors, um, we've talked through like the discipline of just getting into writing, getting into that space, knowing that it's a commitment, not just a quick kind of we'll throw a book out to market. It's actually a commitment to the process and it comes with discipline. It's a lot um, of investment around, you know, making sure that it's a commercial um, lens that we're putting across the book. What do you think are some of the real practical things that a person could be doing, like as a takeaway from this conversation, to to start that journey with with a publisher? Like, what was the, what would you say are some of the next steps that they could be taking? Um, I think first of all, one thing that you need to bear in mind is that you're you're an expert in your particular field, so we don't expect you to be the best writer in the world. So if you're concerned about that, you know, you think, oh, but my writing's no good, I haven't got the confidence, you know, kind of getting over that 
that you know you talk to a publisher uh, you can you know, together you can write a good book even if it means that you have to have like an editor writing with you along the way so that's one thing um and the, so the first thing you do when you're planning your book is you plan your contents list so the what's the overarching thing you want to say and that sort of it, it is where which creates your title so yours lead the room the communication and the subtitle was very important and then your chapter headings are the 10 things that you're going to cover in that book that people will want to learn from you and then you can either drill a bit deeper and do your subheadings as well and then I encourage you to write your back cover copy so think about when people pick up your book at the end of the process what they're going to read on the book on the back which is basically who should be reading it and then just in two or three paragraphs what is this book about and what's it going to do for you mm, because we, we say don't judge a book by a cu- by its cover do you think we do <laughs> always because <laughs> <laughs> we're straight away that's what that's exactly what i do the first thing i, I look at the shelf and i look at what leaps off the shelf at me and so usually mm. that, that standout title and that subtitle. And then I go straight mm. to the, the back of the book and I read, okay, what is this about? And in, in those few yep. moments, it either goes, I have to have this or that's nah, not relevant for me. And you, yep. could, you, you could literally lose the entire process of writing if you're not just thinking intentionally about how does this help solve a problem for people, right? Yep, yep, absolutely, yep. So, so be intentional about table of contents in terms of what's this book going to cover? What's, what is the working title? And again, this is something that you would work with people to, to do, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's, sometimes we change it at the last. You know, once you've written the draft, it becomes clear that there is a theme that you that should be the the main theme that that makes the title really. So yeah, yeah, you have, we have a working title, and sometimes that morphs into a different title. Yeah, and so if we were to walk through the process, so if from someone coming to you, you you'd kind of touched on them briefly. What is the kind of process from having a concept through to taking it to market? So we've talked on the concept and the idea, working backwards and forward with the editor, which is what you help do. You partner with them to to edit the book. Um, what kind yeah. of goes on from there? The first thing we do once we've contracted and we've we set you a schedule and we say, All right, this is when we want the book finished. And sometimes we have like check-ins and monthly check-ins or quarterly check-in or however long the process is. Um, and when we're pretty confident that you're writing a good book um, and it's uh, and you're going to deliver it on time, then we start working on the cover. So that's when we have to finalise the title. Um, we talk to you about the covers. We ask you to look at covers that you like so that we get into your head a little bit and we look at your corporate branding, that kind of thing. Um, and then we commission a cover and we often get uh, three or four concepts. We decide which you decide which one you like best and we develop that until we have a cover that we're all happy with. Um, when the manuscript comes in, we have an editor who will edit the book, uh, not just copy editing they're not just looking for the the mistakes in your manuscript they're looking to add value Mm. so it has to be yeah they have to be able to understand it um is it you know maybe it needs rearranging some of the information is not quite doesn't quite make sense that's the sort of thing that your editor will do uh then we do the the layout so the internal design is based usually on the front cover with the continuity of fonts and some of the graphics on the front cover we lay out the book in pdf form and you read that then we have another set of eyes. We have a proofreader who proofreads those PDFs. Um, Which I'm really grateful for because having spent, you know, six weeks writing and then reading over and over again, rearranging, you just glaze over all the mistakes in there. So it's so nice yeah. to have a, a fresh set of eyes on it, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we write your back cover copy, we arrange the printing and we go to press basically. 
and that and that literally is just to get the book in your hand and then beyond there it yeah. then goes into the whole publicity side of things and the distribution side yeah. of things and again yeah. that's the, that's the whole process that a publisher manages right yeah, and as, like as soon as you've got the cover, we start writing sales shoots for the sales team. So that's three to four months ahead of publication. And that's when we start thinking about the marketing plan. Then we'll put it uh, in pre-publication information up on our website. We'll encourage you to get your landing page and get the book on your website, start talking about it on the social media. All this is happening in the background before the book actually hits. And this is the kind of thing that a lot of people who are going, okay, do I want to go down the route of self-publishing versus publishing? Everything that you touched on there, if you weren't working with a publisher, you would do that yourself. You would have to source your own designers and editors and proofreaders. And and again, what you end up with is is the book in your hand at the end of that. But then everything that goes beyond there, you have to manage yourself. So again, all the publicity comes back to you. The, uh, and again, it's not, it's not just as easy because I think some of the misconceptions people have around books, uh, you know, self-publishing is I could just walk to Dimex and go, Hey, I've got this great book. Could you stock it for me? It's not quite (laughs) as easy as that, is it? (laughs) Uh, Absolutely not. I mean, booksellers won't stock you. I mean, sometimes your local bookstore might say, yeah, I'll put a few copies in the window. They will probably have them on consignment very likely forget to pay you. Um, yeah. And you, you just can't do it. You can't go to Dimex and say, take my books. You can't. Yeah. I mean, in extreme circumstances, I've heard that, but less and less these days as well. Yeah. And part of the reason why it, those books, book, uh, you know, bookstores or airports, for example, are so valuable mm. is that you touched on, which is that it's the ability to tap into a broader community outside of your clientele yeah. or your network or your people on your newsletter list. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can self-publish and you can upload your files to Amazon.com through um, platforms like Ingram Spark. So, it, you know, you can do it. But you won't get it in airport bookstores. There's that. I mean, it takes years to build relationships with airport bookstores. Um, we've just got books recently in Australia Post. I mean, that's the first time we've done that in 11 years. It takes that amount of time yeah. to get the credibility as a publisher where people trust you and say, that these books are good. We're going to take these because they're going to sell through. Yeah. It feels as, as an author, it feels so almost a little bit unfair that like, but obviously it's a, it's a great privilege to be able to stand on the shoulders of your credibility that you've built over 11 years in terms of, uh, you know, building your business. And then we get to kind of like you, you leverage that to be able to support some of the authors in, in the major street family, which is just such a a valuable experience. But I mean, it's, don't get me wrong. It's not our hard work. It's with the authors that we've worked with because they've worked really hard. I mean, they, first of all, they've trusted us when we were a smaller company and I'm forever grateful for some authors who've come to me and taken a punt on major street. That's been amazing. And then they tell their friends about us. And so together we've built a business. So it's a lot of, it's like any business. It's a lot of hard work. Yeah. Um, but it, and it starts to pay off. I think um, it starts to get a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I honestly, and, and we, we, we talked about this before we started the podcast. Like I can't help, but when people come to me and they ask me the conversation around, do I self-publish? Do I publish? I go, the experience that I had going down the publishing route when I was originally, I came to you. And the reason why I came to you with an mm. edited manuscript was because I, I had no intention of going with the publisher and my experience through working with you at major street was just phenomenal. And one of the things I think that I've observed and probably the things that I hear from other people that is such a secret source or a uniqueness around what you do is you're so supportive of the authors um, beyond just feeling like you're a cog in a machine. You really do support your authors and you support yeah. our work. Um, and I know that we're all really grateful for that. And so big thank you to you. Oh, thank you. That's, it's very important to me. When I moved from small 
a small publisher to a big publisher, the big publishing machine didn't allow for that quite as much. It didn't give us as much time to do that. And, um, you know, going back to my dad who taught me everything I know about publishing, he said, you know, your, your authors are your biggest asset, isn't it? You know, you've got to, you've got to treat them <laughs> as if they're the only author that matters in your stable. And that's something that I try, try and follow. That's such a nice kind of link back to the start of this conversation. You can see so mm. much of those values instilled in the work that you do. And so um, tell me about some of the books that are coming up before we wrap this up. What are some of the books that are coming up okay. in the pipeline at Major Street? Because there's so many good ones. Oh, my God. Uh, this year <laughs> we have got such a list, honestly. So we kicked it off with um, Colin Ellis, who did Culture Hacks, which is just brilliant. It's very he's coming on the podcast well. next week, so oh, this will be he? very exciting. Yeah, yes. he's funny asking about his book. Um, and then we did a very topical book by Dr. Amy Silver called The Loudest Guest, which is about fear and anxiety, which is so current at the moment, you know, after the year we had last yeah. year. Um, we've got a beautiful book by Rene Giarusso, uh, Gift Mindset, which is a really special book at how you take the challenges that life throws at you and, and turns them into a positive, which is just, that's just exactly what Renee's like, my, my yep. meeting with her. Um, so then we had uh, No Sex at Work by Judith Beck, which is about, you know, not taking your gender into the workplace and just you know, following your career, following her career advice, which is awesome. Um, we've gone, uh, the one that I'm really excited about at the moment is called Turning Right, Inspire the Magic, which is written by an ultra marathon runner, Kay oh. Bretz, who's also a leadership coach. So um, uh, one of my favorite um, nonfiction books a couple of years ago was Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, which yeah. is by this Navy SEAL who's this real. So this is our David Goggins without the swearing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And it's an awesome book. His running journey is fantastic, but the way he applies that to his leadership and mindset and resilience is just brilliant. Um, And then we have kind of a Bridget Jones type book, which is why smart women make bad decisions and how critical Uh thinking could have helped them. So that's a bit different. Um, we've got MBA, don't need an MBA, which is a bit controversial. <laughs> that would be uh, Alicia Mackay based yeah, on that word. Alicia That's yeah, definitely yeah, her. Absolutely. That sounds like an Alicia Mackay conversation yeah. and book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have one about curiosity about culture, which is about, um, that by Gaty Rabani, which is a new book. And we have, uh, very excited to have the book by the former CEO of sports girl, Colleen Callender called leader by design so she started working in retail at 16 and ended up running two um huge fashion chains wow so uh yeah so her story's great so look you know that's just just a few of the big ones coming up yeah that's up to june yeah (laughs) up to may (laughs) i'm so excited for the year ahead i just think again like people who are listening to this i'll put the link into the major street website so they can keep an eye on the books as they're getting released i'll put the link uh, a link to your linkedin as well so they can stay connected with you because i just think yeah Yeah. if there's people who who are looking for great australian especially great australian authors um putting business books out or even property finance and investment as well Mm. um then that's the place to, to to go to check those out and um and just yeah. just love your work and love the, all that you're doing to um to really kind of get books into the hands of people that are going to help people. So thank you so much for the conversation, oh, Leslie. Thanks, Shane. Thanks for the opportunity. That's it for another week of phone calls with clever people. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released. And of course, I'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews. Have a fantastic week.